We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Mike McGlinchey, the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. everybody welcome back to candlestick chronicles my name is chris biederman i cover the 49ers for the sacramento Bee. with me as always is kyle madsen of niners wire of the usa today sports media group kyle what's going on man how you doing i'm hanging in there apparently my cat was getting sick right as we were starting the pod so i've got uh, something to keep me busy once we're done here maybe your cat has serious free agent anxiety that has to be it because they hang out in the office while i'm writing so that's what i've been doing a lot of writing about and I think that's probably it. Worried about the $70 million in cap space and how the 49ers are going to use it. It's definitely yeah. a high-stress time of the year. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I mean, I, I really I really relate with, uh, with the kitties. Yeah, dogs, cats can both feel the stress uh, of different <laughs> situations, as Kyle and I discussed before we hopped on the pod. <laughs> Uh, so we're it's it's a busy Friday in the NFL. A lot of stuff is happening as the new league year approaches next Wednesday. Uh, obviously, free agency unofficially kicks off on Monday when the tampering period opens, as it's commonly called when free agents can begin negotiations with new teams, which I'm sure has not happened at any point up until Monday, not at the combine, not anywhere else. I'm sure agents, uh, player representatives have not spoken with any teams about any possibilities because that would be tampering and that would be illegal. Uh, but that kicks off Monday. It's going to be interesting. There have been a ton of moves made already. As we're recording this, I'm sure more news is going to break. The biggest story of the day, or maybe late last night, uh, is a move that didn't happen. Antonio Brown reportedly was nearly traded to the Buffalo Bills, and then that deal fell apart because apparently Antonio Brown wanted a new contract to become the highest paid receiver in the NFL. That was reported by Albert Breer as the reason why the deal didn't happen. 
Uh, and that was a big question mark we had, and we had talked about it a ton over the last few months, Antonio Brown getting traded possibly to the 49ers, and we didn't know whether or not he would want a new contract. So I think that's been answered, and it sounds like the interest throughout the NFL in Antonio Brown is is dwindling for a myriad of reasons, but I, I would imagine him wanting to become the highest paid receiver in the league has to top that list. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest issues, and really what I think for me soured the Niners on Antonio Brown was his very public Instagram post where he said that he was not going to play for non-guaranteed money. And just the idea that this guy might sit out, somebody who was very publicly supportive of Le'Veon Bell holding out for an entire year. The the idea that you might be giving up premium draft capital for a player who was already expensive but might become more expensive and might just step in and immediately be a problem, I think took the Niners all the way out of the running. And what we're seeing from these reports with Pittsburgh's negotiations with Buffalo confirm that for me anyways. Yeah, and him going on TV, both on HBO and and ESPN's Jeff Darlington in an interview that aired last weekend saying, you know, I don't need football. Well, I mean, just about everybody, every team in the NFL wants players who, you know, need football or football is very important to them. And I know Kyle Shanahan talks about it all the time. Like, how important is it to you when talking about players and cultures and locker room fits and things like that? And obviously, Antonio Brown works really hard. But to, on one hand, say, I don't need football. And on the other hand, say, I want to be the highest paid receiver in football when you're turning 30. It's just hard for for NFL teams to justify making a significant investment and taking on all that risk that would come with bringing in Antonio Brown. And I think the market is reflecting that. And the other move, uh, probably, I mean, there are a couple other I, big I moves have, today. I have, oh, you have, I have, you have a more Antonio you. Brown thoughts. Let's go. I, <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> real quick, it had Antonio Brown just requested a trade privately and said, I want to be traded. Do you think a deal would have been done by now? And then he not said anything publicly. Yeah. I mean, I think the last two months have been this crazy whirlwind of him just kamikaze bombing his own personal stock as a player right like yeah that that's my thinking too if he would have just sort of laid low after everything that happened late last season when he got into that altercation with ben roethlisberger and then was away from the team and and wasn't so vocal about it and didn't make things so clear and, and like you said requested a trade privately I think he would have a much more robust market because the last thing teams want to deal with is all this sideshow stuff all these antics right and on top of the the contract stuff now it's like it seems like he's destined to wind up on the Raiders or or in Washington or a dysfunctional situation like that uh, where he could become the the highest paid receiver in football and a team is just so desperate to have you know a marquee player whether they need excitement surrounding the team um, you know adding someone like Brown could bring that we're just a notoriety of an elite player joining the team. I, I think the Raiders and, and Washington, that would that would make plenty of sense for. But we'll have to see how that works out. Uh, other big news, Michael Bennett getting traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Patriots is notable, one, because the 49ers you know, have needs along the defensive line, particularly at the edge spot. Michael Bennett could play that spot. But more importantly, in, in my opinion, I mean, the Patriots just always sort of do stuff like this, like find really versatile front seven players, maybe acquire them below market value, and then they become super important to what they do 
on defense and wind up winning Super Bowls because of it. This just yeah, seems like the next next move in line with that kind of thinking. It's unbelievable. If Michael Bennett was available for, I think, what, a sixth round pick? Why are there not 32 teams, uh, 31 teams calling about him? That's unreal that the Patriots continue to make moves like this because they lose Trey Flowers, who is going to get, what do we think, 15, 16, 17 million a year on the open market? At least, yeah. He's going to get paid. So the Patriots let him walk. And granted, Michael Bennett, I think, is nine years older than than Trey Flowers. He's significantly older with more miles on his body. But they're getting him for two years. He has zero guaranteed money left on his deal. He's a $7.2 million cap hit next year or this year and an $8 million cap hit next year. And they can cut him anytime for zero dead money. It's basically a pick swap from a fifth round pick to a seventh round pick for two years of Michael Bennett. For Uh, free, basically. Basically for free. Like instead of taking a flyer on a young guy in the fifth round, which probably is what a 20 or 30% hit rate in terms of like finding someone who can be a valuable contributor to your team. Maybe. You you get two years of potentially really good veteran play from a, from a proven player. uh, And yeah. And, and you fill one of your most pressing needs having, assuming that you move on from Trey flowers who we might talk a little bit about later in this podcast. Um, Eric Weddle has been released, a safety from the from the Ravens. The 49ers are not interested. That's according to our friend Eric Branch. I'm not well, sure hey, how he would have fit. Some breaking news on the pod oh, here. Let's go. The Los Angeles Rams have agreed to sign Eric Weddle, according to their tweet just now that said, fear the beard. Wow. And Ian Rappaport says that was fast. Weddle to the Rams. There so <laughs> breaking news. That, that was... You you started talking about Eric Weddle. My phone buzzed. It was a tweet from Rappaport about that. Oh, you got the notifications on for Rappaport. So I haven't yeah, done of that course. I, oh, I, oh, I, I absolutely do. I need to get on that. Yeah, last year I did that during free agency. And um, let's just say the the company I surrounded myself with didn't love the fact that at like three in the morning, my phone would just be going crazy because Adam Schefter and, and Ian Rappaport notifications were on. And Same. Free agent. Yeah. Free agency is, is a rough time uh, in the spring, but we're getting there. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to follow your lead and turn those notifications back on. So Eric Weddle to the Rams, that's interesting. The Rams are are looking like they're gonna move on from Lamarcus Joyner. So Weddle at the back end of that defense makes some sense. The Rams also released Mark Barron. Uh, big trade today, a player for player trade, which you don't see super often. I think. As the time goes on, we're going to see more of these type of trades. But Olivier Vernon, a pass rusher for the Giants, who signed a five-year, $85 million contract in 2016. That was like a complete monstrosity of a deal. And and he's a very good player. Uh, But traded to the Browns after three seasons for guard Kevin Zeitler. Uh, There might be some other picks involved in that deal. I don't have all the details in front of me at the moment. But uh, pretty interesting, and I, I think it's it's interesting in the context that Jay Glazer tweeted uh, of The Athletic and, and Fox TV. He said he's hearing that there's a bunch of chatter about some of these franchised pass rushers like D4, Jadavian Clowney, and Frank Clark. Those guys might be getting traded, or at least those teams are talking about trading them. Um, obviously, the 49ers have big needs at edge rusher. Not entirely sure they would be willing to, given where they stand in the draft and that uh, they're, you know, they have a really good chance at adding an edge rusher in the first round. And there's some decent edge rushing options in free agency. Not sure they would be willing to 
give up the premium draft capital to pay those guys uh, what they're going right. to command. But it's an interesting it's an interesting contextual element to the to the pass rushing market, nonetheless. Yeah, that's that was kind of a surprising a surprising note, but I didn't really give it a second thought because of what you just said. I think the 49ers are in a prime spot to improve that position without paying a ton of money for it. And that would be huge. If they, let's say they do get Nick Bosa, they're going to have him for five years at a a really cheap contract while they, while they start paying everybody else on their defense. So yeah, with, with some of the contracts they have coming up for, for DeForest Buckner, um and you know looking even down the road two three years down the road at some of the guys they might have to pay that it just makes way too much sense to to go the draft route instead of giving up that capital for a player they're gonna have to pay a lot of money for yeah so we're recording this on friday the 49ers on thursday made a bunch of small uh, moves official that uh, none of them were really expected or unexpected i should say raheem mostert got tendered his option as a restricted free agent uh, the 49ers have negotiating rights with him, so another team can sign him to an offer sheet, but the 49ers will have the first right of refusal. If he comes back on his tender, he'll make just north of $2 million. Uh, the Niners picked up the options on exclusive rights, free agent, uh, line linebacker Elijah Lee, cornerback Greg Maben, guys who are going to compete for roster spots uh, who started games in the past, these past couple of years. Uh, not bad depth players, particularly if they continue to develop. But uh, I think if if they're going to be starters, I think you're kind of in trouble. Um, they also exercise contract options for Cassius Marsh, Dakota Watson, and Kwan Williams. Not surprising; those are all guys that we expected to be on the team in 2019, or at least competing, depending on what they do in the draft and free agency. Uh, they officially declined the option for Pierre Garcon. So, uh, what was reported? What we reported? Uh, last month that the 49ers were going to move on from Pierre Garçon was made official. I think there's something, the, the interesting aspect of that, I think there's going to be more than $7 million in dead cap money from, from yeah. Garçon's deal, which, uh, which is kind of a lot. The 49ers have incurred a lot of dead money over, over the recent season. So it's not entirely surprising, but it is notable. Uh, and again, I think, you know, the team is operating with tons and tons of cap space. So dead cap money isn't the biggest deal for them. A couple more notable 49ers uh, nuggets. Earl Mitchell, who the 49ers said, a a source told me that the 49ers were moving on from Earl Mitchell. And uh, I think to me that meant he was going to get released or the team was going to pick up his option. There's there's a little bit of buzz now that the team's going to try to trade him. Um, I'm not entirely sure what you can get in the trade for Earl Mitchell at this point in his career. Uh, I think he's north of 30. He's a nose tackle, obviously. He's going to play that that much i would imagine it would be like a very late round pick swap a sixth or seventh round pick swap not a not even a pick for player type trade just something where if the 49ers wanted to move up in round seven or or up in round six maybe mitchell can get you that kind of return um so very minor deal malcolm smith is going to be back on a restructured contract at least this offseason with a chance to earn a roster spot um we don't know the terms of that yet there was a uh it seemed like going into the new league year that Smith would be on his way out, just given the fact that he was an expensive player, he's aging, and he really hasn't played much the last two seasons because of injury. Uh, but he's going to be back on a restructured deal. I'm sure it's going to be cheap and team-friendly, not all of that prohibitive. Um, so, you know, the 49ers don't have a ton of depth at linebacker right now, and I would assume that 
bringing Smith back isn't going to change their plans for the draft and or free agency, but it gives them at least a versatile player who could play all three linebacker spots. He, he worked at Sam uh, the majority of last year after coming in to, to play Mike and Will. So I think, uh, you know, it's not a bad move. I, I would assume that if Malcolm Smith isn't healthy during training camp in August, they wouldn't bring him back. Um, but it is a little bit interesting because now the 49ers don't necessarily need to uh, bring in, you know, back-end type linebackers like they would have if they had moved on from Smith. It was definitely, for me, I just, like you said, we don't know the terms yet, but I just have a hard time believing that Malcolm Smith is going to find his way really onto the roster, especially if they invest significant significant draft capital in the position. Uh, we mentioned we mentioned or we're going to mention some possible free agents. Uh, Malcolm Smith just really didn't look good last year. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to watch him in camp, and I'm very I'm I'm very intrigued to see what what he's gonna bring. I just I really don't know if the 49ers are are going to pay him regardless of what it is to to keep a what is he 29 30 uh, to keep him around on the roster. You think uh, Malcolm Smith has life insurance? <laughs> Your transition game is top notch. I'm I'm sure he does. Because, you know Kyle. Why? But I don't. I don't, Chris. <laughs> and do you know why? Uh, because it's always so darn complicated. It's it can also be stressful. Getting yeah. getting life insurance can be stress, stressful, but it doesn't always have to be, Kyle. That's why there's ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there's no medical exams or policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how un- uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote at, and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. Okay, so the second segment of uh, of our podcast, I think we're just going to kind of freestyle on some free agency ideas uh we talked a lot about particular free agents that we think would fit with the 49ers and in positional previews that we've made uh last month um oh you have the the Weddle terms yes okay we have the Weddle terms eric Weddle signs with the rams two years worth up to 12 and a half million uh 5.25 million guaranteed per ian rapaport of uh, nfl media so there you go Pretty pretty modest deal for a good player at the very back end of his prime. Um, I would assume because the Rams defense is still pretty talented that Weddle would be a, would be a good fit for them. Yeah, there was so Weddle's thirty four, but he's yes. still a super productive player. I saw he's made he's made the Pro Bowl the last three years. He was an All Pro he was an All Pro in twenty fourteen. He's still a very very. A uh, good player didn't have an interception last season. Had ten the previous two years, though. And I saw a report that that one AFC offensive coordinator said that Weddle was still like a major reason the the Ravens defense was so hard to solve last year. And so hmm. 
I, I, I don't think the Rams are getting an all pro by any stretch, but I, I would believe it if somebody told me he's going to be an upgrade over, over LaMarcus Joyner. Absolutely. So uh, back to the 49ers and, and what they might be looking at in terms of free agency. Let's start with safety. And there have been a lot of safeties to hit the market. And it's a really loaded safety group. And I think obviously we've highlighted Earl Thomas as sort of the best case scenario for for a multitude of reasons that we don't have to go back into again, um, aside from him just being sort of the the archetypical safety for the scheme because the 49ers run that Seahawks scheme. But Landon Collins, more of a strong safety type, uh, Eric Weddle's off the board. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner of the Rams could be someone that's interesting. Uh, Tyron Matthew is somebody who I like because of just his versatility. And I think all those games where he just completely destroyed the 49ers offense on his own when he was playing for the Cardinals, uh, you know, I think back in 2015 in particular. Yeah, uh, he's somebody who's going to be interesting, maybe not super expensive. Ha ha Clinton Dix could probably play both safety spots. Is there anything that jumps out to you about how the 49ers should approach this? the safety class of free agents. Yeah, I think Earl Thomas is is for sure. We've mentioned it a million times. Everyone's written about it a million times that I think he's going to be maybe their number one free agent target. But it wouldn't actually surprise me if they don't get him, if they just go and get maybe like re-sign Anton Exum, somebody who they know can play both safety spots and just kind of add to the competition because they have bodies at safety. They just don't really have anyone who's proven they can play there at a high level for 16 games. But it feels to me like every player they have there has shown flashes where if they maybe add a third or fourth round pick at safety to throw into the mix and then just say, hey, the competition's wide open and hope that somebody elevates their play to to steal the starting job, that that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. If they, you know, took a big swing for Thomas and if they miss on that, they kind of go to the more uh, go to the back end of of that safety class. Yeah, I would try to sign one of these guys. I, I think you need I, I just think you need a legitimate starter who you feel good about. So you don't really have to worry about putting these guys. Cause, I mean, if if they don't bring in a, a legitimate starter at free safety, then you're talking about, OK, is Jaquaski Tart your best free safety? And if you have to put him in that mix, then he's rotating between both safety spots throughout the offseason. And I don't know that that's the best thing for his development. Right. Is Jimmy Ward your best free safety? I happen to think Jimmy Ward was the best free safety the Niners had on the roster last year. Uh, that That's you know notwithstanding the injury issues, obviously. No, I agree uh, with you. He's on the field. He's good. Yeah, so... Do, do you not bring someone in? You can, you bring Jimmy Ward back on the cheap, and then are you worrying about injuries? I, I just think you really need to solidify that position. And part of you know the ancillary effect of solidifying everything is getting everybody in roles that they can really develop in. I think one thing the 49ers have learned over these last couple of years, and I think you know you could you can even relate this to somebody like Solomon Thomas. Uh, it you just when you're asking young players to take on multiple roles, I think you're really slowing down their development. And I think, you know, I think you maximize Jaquaski Tart by, by playing him in the box and keeping him there. Uh, and I think the best way to keep him there is to have somebody over the top who you can rely on to be your starting free safety. I don't know that that's Adrian Colbert. Uh, I like the idea of bringing back Anton Exum, like you mentioned, just because I think he's a good back end of the roster type player who could play special teams and he can play both safety spots. But I think you're going to be in a bad spot 
if you're counting on him to start games. And I think we learned that last year too. Uh, so I think safety is a need just because of the the ripple effects it has on the rest of the secondary. Sure. Uh, and and it's such an important position in terms of communication. The Niners play so much zone that, uh, you know, it's more complicated in the secondary than maybe it is for the rest of the defense because uh, so much of what they do is predicated on on zone coverage and knowing exactly where you do, where you need to be against certain offensive looks. Uh, and somebody like Earl Thomas, one of the big benefits of him, aside from just his physical skills and his sideline to sideline ability to, you know, to play deep and and play make plays on the ball, is just his knowledge of the defense. And we saw how valuable that was for Richard Sherman, yep. who might not have the physical skills that he used to have, but he can he can overcome that with with his mental approach to the game. And I think Sherman really is far and away, you know, has. On, on the 49ers defense has the best grasp out of anybody. And I think Fred Warner could obviously get there, but he was just a rookie last year. Um, and we saw all the mix up in coverages on the back end, whether it be with Akella Witherspoon in the safeties uh, with Exum with Tart. I think getting somebody solidified in that free safety spot so you can work on the communication. So everybody else can really be cemented in their roles, I think would be really important. So I think T- Thomas obviously would would be ideal. I would be willing to overpay for Thomas if I was a 49ers. If yeah, he, me too. You know, if you have to give him $13 million a year and guarantee the first two seasons basically in full, I would do it um, just because I think he's that much better than everyone else in the safety class, and I don't think there's a safety in the draft, particularly given their other needs that, you know, would would create the same type of impact. So I'm all, I'm all in on, on the Thomas idea as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I am too, and it wouldn't surprise me because Richard Sherman said that it's between Dallas and the 49ers, and if the 49ers offer more money, Thomas will will come to San Francisco. And the Niners are in a much better position to offer Earl Thomas a lot of money. The The Cowboys have less cap space, and I think we talked about this last time, maybe two podcasts ago, but... They have all sorts of people they're going to have to pay. They just franchised Demarcus Lawrence, and they might have to pay him uh, on a long-term deal to get him to to get him to play this year. They've got a contract for Ezekiel Elliott coming up, and Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. I'm not sure they're going to be able to afford to overpay Earl Thomas. And if the 49ers come over the top with a little more guaranteed money, um, it wouldn't. It it. I'm going to pre-write the Earl Thomas to San Francisco story because I'm very confident that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. Uh, there are going to be other teams in the mix. Um, are we? Hey, real just because, real quick, are we going to address this breaking news? Yeah, I mean, I just tweeted it out while uh, while you were talking. Uh, really, really huge news from the 49ers. They signed kicker uh, Jonathan Brown. Uh, that's official. The terms have not been disclosed. It's a two-year deal. Uh, Brown is 26, and it doesn't mean a whole lot because they franchise Robbie Gold. Brown is probably going to be a Camp Lake, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. A former U.S. Right? under-17 men's soccer team member. There you go. Jonathan Brown. All right. The newest member of the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Uh, more, more. So, you think there's going to be more teams in play for for Earl Thomas and just the 49ers and Cowboys? Yeah, the Chargers, uh, the Ravens need a safety. Um, 
Jacksonville just released Tayshawn Gibson. I know that's because they need to to get a quarterback, but I I, I just don't I don't know if it's going to be as easy as the, the Niners and Cowboys. I think there are going to be other teams in there. Okay. In that, I'm mix. still writing. He's I'm still pre writing the story. I'm still pre writing the story. No, absolutely. I think I might pre write it too. No, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying even necessarily that that there won't be other teams in pursuit because I think there will. But right. it just feels to me like the familiarity with Richard Sherman and Robert Sala and the 49ers defense, plus you get to live in California. I believe he's from Texas and has been flirting with the Cowboys for the last couple of years. Yep. Like, it just seems like those two are the teams he would want to sign with. Yeah, and I think the Niners are in the the best position to overspend for him. Right. Right. I, right. I think so too. Unless, so, unless like the, the Colts who have a trillion dollars in cap space decide they want to pay well, a safety. Also, the Colts money. also drafted Malik Hooker, so they don't need a free safety Top. because Malik Hooker is elite. <laughs> Great or greatest Colts safety of all time. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, uh, if you're a, a follower of our work for the last few years, you'd, you would, uh, we, we were really high on Malik Cooker before the 2017 draft. The, the draft the Niners ended up with Solomon Thomas. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a joke that goes back a while. But so why, don't we, why don't we switch to linebacker? Because I'm of the belief that the 49ers are probably best off making an addition at linebacker through free agency rather than the draft because there is pressure to really for the defense to really take the next step in 2013. Yeah. So... CJ Mosley obviously tops the list. We have no idea if he's going to hit the market or not. Uh, the fact that he hasn't re-signed with Baltimore to this point makes me think he might test the waters. And again, just like with Earl Thomas, the 49ers might be in position to overpay for somebody like Mosley. And I don't think it would be a bad idea either to offer him, you know, $10, $11 million a year, just given what what he's been for that Ravens defense and how badly the 49ers need help at linebacker. After moving on from Ruben Foster, uh, KJ Wright, Seahawks is all, should also be in that mix. Jordan Hicks uh, of the Eagles should also be in that mix. I, I'm of the mind that Hicks is probably going to be the most expensive because I think he's the earliest in his career and he's a he's a very very good player. Yeah. Um, is is there any linebacker sort of maybe an under the radar guy or anyone you think the 49ers should target in particular? I think Quan Alexander's really interesting. He played for Tampa Bay. I believe he tore his ACL last year, but. Prior to that ACL tear, was a super athletic guy uh, who can who can play coverage. Um, you all right? Man yeah. down. Small earthquake Man out down. there in uh, San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, took my sweater off because I was sweating That's and so knocked cool. my microphone off. <laughs> uh, really intense. Podcast. Yeah, we we go we go hard in the paint here at Candlestick Chronicles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Quan Alexander for sure. Another guy we've talked about is Thomas Davis. If they're going to use like a fifth round pick, or I guess they don't have a fifth, so a, a fourth or a sixth round pick on on a linebacker, and they want to let that player develop behind a veteran, I could see Thomas Davis filling in for maybe a year. And and then, of course, there's uh, guys that, again, other players we mentioned before, Jordan Hicks from Philadelphia, Played in the middle of a very good Eagles defense for the last couple of years, and KJ Wright, who who knows the system, although I'm not sure uh, how effective of a player he is anymore. But there's there's a, I feel like outside of Mosley, there's a lot of stopgap options 
for San Francisco. Yeah, you could look at somebody like. Uh, hey, Ger- Gerald to... Hodges and Ray Ray Brandon Armstrong, Marshall. both free agents. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't think those guys are coming back. Brandon Marshall back. of the Broncos. Um, Will Compton of the Titans. Jamie Collins of the Browns. Uh, Preston Brown with the Bengals. Michael Kendricks, Seahawks. Uh, I mean, the the thing is with linebacker, it's probably the the le- the least scheme specific position, right? Like inside linebacker, if you can, um, you know, you can basically play inside linebacker in any defense and have a background in any defense and and sort of fit what the 49ers want to do, right? Um, because it's a one gapping scheme mostly, and and you have a you have a strong safety down in the box too to to maybe simplify your assignments a little bit. Um, not to say that it's easier to play in the Niners scheme by any means, but it's not, it, you, your skills can translate to, to this defense. You can integrate pretty, pretty easily, I would guess. So, uh, who, which, which like linebacker, if they like some of these lesser known names, um, like someone like Vincent Ray or, uh, Stephon Anthony, then, you know, maybe those guys can fit and, and provide some depth, but yeah, I think you, you, you try to. You have high, or you shoot for the stars, I guess, and maybe C.J. Mosley, K.J. Wright, or uh, or Jordan Hicks to to fill in the middle of the defense. Or maybe they're banking on uh, Elijah Lee taking a jump. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know that, I know that, could. I know that, I know that's that that sounded silly, but I mean, if that's something that they really believe that, hey, because Elijah Lee wasn't terrible last year when he played. And if they no, if they really think like, hey, this guy can can play here for a couple of years before we figure out the position long term, I could absolutely see that if they think that they can have an effective defense with him starting while they address other needs for now. That that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I think it would be repeating the similar mistakes they made on defense between twenty seven eighteen, or sorry, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen when they basically handed Adrian Colbert the, the starting, you know, free safety spot and Nikella Witherspoon, the starting cornerback spot, those guys, you know, didn't have the competition they really needed to elevate themselves during that off season. And, and it led to them playing poorly to begin 2018. So I don't know if that necessarily would happen with Elijah Lee. I'm with you. I think Lee is a good player uh, and is on a good developmental track, but I think, ideally he's your third or fourth linebacker, somebody who plays special teams and, and would really only have to start because of injuries. Um, but that's not to say that he couldn't develop into a starting caliber player. I just don't know that I would, I would feel super comfortable with him being your every down starter going into the year, particularly when you have 65 million or 70 million in cap space to play with. Right. Like the, the, you're at the point where you have all this cap space and you have holes that you could fill with good players I think it's time you you really just start using it because they've been rolling over cap space for a long time now, and they've been among the league leaders in cap space going on three or four years. So I think it's time to to really cash it in. And if you really want to get to where you want to go, you need to you need to add good players. I, so I, we talked about one. I just real, real quick before we move on, I just feel like mm-hmm. there hasn't been a free agency class like this one in a while. That's there true. are a lot of like Particularly elite that- players available particularly at, at areas they need like safety uh, and like edge rusher. Do you, how's that for a transition? Do you, I'm not done yet though. 
Okay. <laughs> do, do you see yeah it can just be a yes or no and then we can move on to to edge rusher okay. but do you foresee a situation where they can get uh cj mosley and earl thomas yeah okay yeah i mean it might cost you 30 million dollars next year just in terms of like guaranteed money right but and you're eating into you know a significant amount of your cash space in doing that but Jimmy Garoppolo's number is going to come down. I mean, it when you have this much cap space, it's smart to front load these deals because then they become more palatable as a contract goes along, which you don't always see with some of these free agent contracts. Sometimes the money is pushed back and then it, it gets harder to keep that player on your roster as time goes. But I think with the way and the 49ers did this with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? They gave him thirty seven million dollars uh, in the first year of that deal. And that way, after that first year, he's going to be much more affordable going forward. I think his cap number is going to be around 20 to 22 million over the next few seasons. And the cap will continue to go up. And the cap will continue to go up. So, yeah, I I mean, when it comes to those guys in particular, Mosley and Thomas or even Hicks, I wouldn't be opposed to overpaying them just because you, you get them here. And we talked about it in last week's pod. I just think you need really good players on your defense. And if you could add players, you know, if you add Bosa and pair him with Buckner, then you're you're pretty solid on the first level of your defense. You add Mosley to pair with Fred Warner, you're good on the second level. And then Earl Thomas on the back end is going to make your entire secondary a lot better. And if they're able to do that, I mean, you know, I would overpay for that scenario. You're talking about making a huge jump defensively right. if you end up drafting Nick Bosa, improving the pass rush, and improving the other two levels of the defense. I think, I think that could be really huge for them. Um, and I would do it. I would be aggressive. Stop talking about being aggressive and, and just do it, John Lynch. Right? <laughs> Dang, shade thrown. That's not shade. <laughs> I mean, we talked about being aggressive. Yeah, this is you know, this like, is a situation where they can be aggressive. And they've said we were aggressive in trying to trade for X. We were aggressive in trying to trade for Y. But this is a scenario where you don't have to try to trade for something. Like, you can go make the best offer. And right. the Niners are in a position where they're not three, four years away. Like, like they, if that, if they, if that happens where they get CJ Mosley, Earl Thomas, uh, draft Nick Bosa. And then one of the, one of the receivers that falls in the second round, suddenly you're looking at a team that can very seriously contend. They'll be in the mix, like contend for a Super Bowl uh, or contend, contend for, for a playoff spot. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, I think the most important thing for them is to is to finish with at least nine wins next year. And I think you're dramatically increasing your odds of getting there if you if you sign guys like Earl Thomas and CJ Mosley or Jordan Hicks. And pair that with a strong draft, including, you know, drafting Nick Bosa or or really, you know, a game changer along the edge. Yes. Um, I think that has to be the goal. I think, you know, saying, oh, we're gonna win the division, I think that's setting the bar a little bit too high but yeah, the rams are not still getting, really good yeah i mean having covered this team since 2013 like it would be nice from from my perspective just in terms of like keeping people interested in the team if they weren't eliminated from the playoffs in november <laughs> like before thanksgiving yeah that'd be neat um right i mean last year it basically happened in september when jimmy garoppolo went down the year before that they opened the season with on a nine game losing streak um, it would just make my job a lot easier and I would have a lot more interesting things to write about if they 
you know, if if it's the second or third week in December and we're writing about playoff scenarios, like right. that would be much more fun from my end. On a selfish note, and I'm sure 49ers fans wouldn't disagree with that uh, from their perspective. So, um, edge guys, let's talk about edge guys. Okay, I love edge guys. There are a lot of good edge free agents. Yep. Uh, even you know, guys like they're good edge players you could get that could be valuable contributors who aren't going to get the franchise tag from their team. So we mentioned Justin Houston, who was released by the Chiefs, Shaquille Barrett, free agent from the Broncos, who's familiar with Adam Peters, 49ers executive, who spent time with the Broncos, Darius Smith of the Ravens. We're not sure if he's going to go back to Baltimore or not. Preston Smith in Washington, Ezekiel Ansah, obviously uh, connected to a few different people with the 49ers now that they hired defensive line coach Chris Kasurik, uh, and obviously Martin Mayhew, a, a personnel executive in the front office, drafted Onsen in the first round when he was with the Lions as general manager. Anthony Barr, uh, another very expensive option who I like as a possible Sam linebacker and edge rusher, and Trey Flowers, who I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to afford because it's going to cost a Malik Jackson or Olivier Vernon type contract, and I don't know if they're going to give a deal like that out considering they have a bunch of players sort of with similar skill sets to Trey Flowers on the roster already just in terms of being able to play on the outside and the inside yeah two two players I like if we're looking because we figure they're going to use their number two pick on an edge rusher whether that's whether that's Nick Bosa or or Josh Allen or Brian Burns or whoever it may be so I think they probably go towards the middle to the back of the pack than in the edge free agent class. At least that's, right. that's my line of thinking. Two players that really stand out to me. One of them is Alex Okafor from New Orleans. Uh, he played and started okay. in all 16 games last year uh, for them. He has eight and a half sacks in the last two years, four last year, and uh, is one of those guys that uh, John Lynch talked about strength on, on the edge. He's 6'4", 261. He's a true defensive end. Uh, somebody who who can uh, go get after the passer. Uh, uh, I don't want to say a few times because that's too low, but but can can rush the passer from the outside, uh, multiple uh, multiple spots. And then Derek Morgan from Tennessee had a really oh your, your Titans expertise yes. is going to come yeah, out it here. Sure like is, it. it sure is. Last season he played in thirteen games, got hurt early in the year in training camp, and I just don't think ever really fully recovered. Uh, but he only had a half a sack last year. The previous two seasons, 2016 and 2017, he had 16 and a half. And he is a defensive end. That's what they drafted him as. He's also 6'4", 261, but they had him playing as an outside linebacker. And I don't think that's where he's as effective. So I think if the Niners could get him on a really cheap deal where they say, hey, you're going to put your hand in the dirt and get after the quarterback uh, on on third downs or or you know on in in sub packages that's something that i could very seriously see and i think they could squeeze the uh the last bit of of talent that made him a first round pick in 2010 i just turned 30 in january so it's not like he's way over the hill i think he has some effective football left and and i think it can be with san francisco especially in the in the position they'd put him in yeah, I'd I'd like to double back to to Okafor for a second. He he's going to be 28 uh, in in 2019. The the interesting thing about him is he tore an Achilles. I I want to say November 2017, 
and wound up returning to New Orleans on a cheap deal and then played in every single game following the Achilles tear, uh, which I think is pretty impressive. And I would assume that another full off season of training and, and sort of rehabbing, he could be back to the player he was in 2014 with the Cardinals when he had eight sacks. Yeah. Uh, and obviously if the 49ers could, could acquire somebody on a, on a, you know, five, six, seven million dollars per year deal who could get you six to six to eight sacks. I think that would be huge for them. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on Okafor. I know less about, about Barnett, but you're a um, Morgan. You're the Titans expert. Derek Morgan. Sorry, Morgan, Derek Morgan, Derek Morgan. Yes. Derek, Derek Barnett okay. plays for the Eagles. He does. He's also an edge guy, though. Also an edge guy from Tennessee. Yeah. A guy we liked in 2017. We loved him. Not quite as much as Malik Hooker. No. <laughs> but a good player. Made a big play in the Super Bowl, too. We also got to mention Dante Fowler of the Rams. Obviously, the fit's pretty obvious, given that he comes from uh, the, the Jaguars defense. Robert Sala's going to be familiar with him. Uh, I'm not sure how much he's going to cost. I think he's going to be a tier below those initial guys that we mentioned um, just because the productivity hasn't always been there. Um, but I think, I don't know. I would rather go another direction than, than Fowler just because of those question marks. And he also has some off the field stuff. You gotta, gotta consider too. Um, but he has played well in recent season and he played pretty well with the Rams throughout the playoffs. Um, so just sort of a name you, you you have to include when you're talking about these edge guys. Yeah, I think if the Niners, for it, let's say they look at this edge class and go, you know what, we don't like anybody in it, then I think they might go get a guy like Dante Fowler who is 24 and try and, try and get him to kickstart his career in San Francisco. But beyond that, I, I really don't see them taking a flyer on him unless unless there's just no market for him and they get him for super cheap. Right. Uh, the other knee, let's switch to offense. So with, uh, at receiver, it is, it is not a good free agent class of receivers. I think there are really two sort of surefire starters when, when you look at it, or at least guys that are going to be coveted on the open market. Uh, obviously golden Tate of the Eagles, Tyrell Williams of the chargers. I don't really know that the 49ers are going to be in the mix for either of those guys, because I think they're going to command more than they're worth. And if the 49ers are aggressive or as aggressive as as we think they should be when it comes to adding defensive players, I don't know that overpaying for a receiver is going to be smart. Right. So I did a little bit of research today and found some guys who I think could possibly fit as a Z receiver replacing Pierre Garçon and who sort of have the physical traits uh, that Kyle Shanahan covets in receivers and also are not going to break the bank. Yeah. Uh, so the first guy I found, uh, former Patriot, or pending free agent of the Patriots, Chris Hogan. Uh, obviously, a lot's made about his athleticism and the fact that he played lacrosse in college. But uh, really, for me, what what made Hogan uh, an impress or a, a player I wanted to highlight here was he ran a six point seven five in the three cone, which is really really solid for a receiver and really sort of in the range that Kyle Shanahan looks for. Obviously. Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor, and, and Richie James, the three receivers the 49ers have, have drafted since Shanahan was hired. Uh, those guys are all good three-cone guys around that same time. Um, and, and what we know about the Patriots, too, is they, it's not an apples-to-apples apples offense in terms of scheme, but we know there are some similarities and some carryover uh, because Jimmy Garoppolo has said as much, and one of the reasons why the 49ers like Jimmy Garoppolo is because there are things the Patriots do in their offense 
that Kyle Shanahan does in his. So I would imagine Chris Hogan coming in maybe, you know, three, four, five million dollars a year wouldn't be a bad option to to throw into that mix. And it wouldn't be costly to the point where you're not going to draft a receiver in the second round because you have Chris Hogan and you have somebody who could who could push Kendrick Bourne for playing time. And I just think would be a valuable addition to the receiving core because he fits exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants on a, on a reasonable price. In the two games that Jimmy Garoppolo started for New England in 2016, Chris Hogan had seven catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. That's a go. fact that I just Chemistry. researched. <laughs> Chemistry. But yeah, you mentioned, I mean, Chris Hogan is just the very stereotypical, like just knows how to get open uh really good at all levels of the field and can absolutely be a guy that I think plugs right into into Kyle Shanahan's offense and can play uh originally actually signed as an undrafted free agent out of Monmouth by the 49ers oh see I should have known that yeah pretty well that was but that that must have been before I was covering the team yeah that was 2011 I was uh I was in I was halfway across the country in college at that point um, wow, weren't keeping up with the 49ers. Interesting. Good to know. <laughs> probably not as much as I should have. <laughs> uh, the second guy I found, another really good three-cone guy, and a guy who has played in a similar offense, is Ryan Grant, who spent last season with the Colts after spending his first four years with Washington. Uh, he ran a 6.68 in the three-cone before he was drafted in 2014, and obviously he played in Sean McVay's offense. So he's already very familiar with even the verbiage and obviously the style of play. And I think he would be a really good Z option, again, like Hogan, somebody who's not going to break the bank, but who could compete for a spot and maybe even start for you. Yeah, and a veteran receiver, I think, would be good as well because you have to imagine the Niners will invest at least one draft pick in that spot. So having a player that you know can come in and play in the NFL would would be valuable, but not at so much money that they have to start. If their job gets taken by a rookie, then so be it. But having insurance, having any kind of veteran depth is is vital because there is a lot of youth and inexperience in this receiving court. Yeah, and sort of similar to Kendrick Bourne in the fact that he doesn't have great breakaway speed in his 40 coming out of uh, Tulane. He ran a 4.64, which is not good and in the 10th percentile among receivers. But his three cone 6.68 was in the 88th percentile, which is very good. His 20-yard shuttle, also a good change of direction drill, 4.11, 4.11, or 4.11, as I stumble all over myself, uh, 77th percentile. So potentially potentially a fit just from the standpoint of you're not investing premium resources and he could fit and run routes like you want him to, uh, but not the most impressive Spider-Graph guy. Oh, then you're uh, out. Eight reps. <laughs> eight reps on the bench press six six percentile um but as we know kyle shanahan does not need hulking receivers to say the least right and honestly i can't do eight reps of 225 so who am i to judge you know oh really <laughs> <laughs> gotta get your weight up son <laughs> i'm just kidding um, are there any other receivers we should look at? I don't know. I mean, this this really is it's just a bad receiver like guys, class, dude. It's a bad receiver class, and there just doesn't look like a player that really fits what the 49ers want. There are guys like I mean, John Brown is essentially like 
a Marquise Goodwin clone. Randall Cobb is an aging slot guy. I don't think they need any more slot guys. Yeah, you've got, you've got. Uh, Des Bryant's available. He's not going to get signed anytime soon. Dante Moncrief. Uh, yeah, I. Michael Crabtree. Mike Crabtree's kind of interesting. I think he could be that that Z player, but I'm not sure he's really dying to come back to the 49ers. I also think prime Michael. Uh, although there is a new perfect. regime. I think prime Michael Crabtree would have been perfect. Yeah, prime Michael Crabtree was a really good player. Um, but I don't think, I, I mean, just knowing what I know about the personalities in that receiving room, I just don't really see Crabtree meshing in all of that yeah. well with with those guys. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, nope. Yeah. Uh, Richard Matthews, nah, Jordan Matthews, maybe. Jermaine Curse is kind of interesting veteran from the jets you could probably get cheap kevin white no tavon austin no uh chris Conley. we talked about yeah, chris Conley. crazy athletic <laughs> straight line guy not a change of direction guy terrence williams I... brandon lafell aldrick robinson's back on the market he was in the 49ers for a season and an so off-season. was rod streeter so was bruce ellington look yeah. at this yeah, a couple guys that Kyle Shanahan cut. <laughs> um, oh, man. Darius Hayward Bay, DHB. Still in the league. Still, get, shout out to Darius Hayward Bay, Shocking man. that he's managed to make a career. But no, all those guys you just mentioned are just players that I don't think really fit what the 49ers need. Uh, that right, I think exactly. they can all probably, most of those guys will be on rosters as like fourth or fifth options and special teams type guys, but the Niners need a receiver who can start and play a lot of snaps. And I just don't see outside of outside of maybe Chris Hogan and then the top of the list where you get into your Tyrell Williams and Golden Tate. Outside of that, I just really don't see it in this year's free agency class. I think the draft is going to be super important for the 49ers when it comes to receivers. A lot. Speaking of uh, the draft, I know this is a free agency episode, but A.J. Brown is starting to get a little bit more first yeah, round Yeah, sure is. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking, I think he's sort of the perfect pick for them at 36, but he might be such a good pick for them that he's not going to be available. Wouldn't be surprised if they don't so trade maybe, him. yeah. And we, and they've done that two of the last three drafts, right? Trade back into yep. the first round, uh, for an additional first round pick. So maybe we see them do that again. Um, because they did it in 2016, they did it in 2017, didn't do it last year, but it might be worth doing if AJ Brown's on the board and and they could get him because I think he would be a really good fit for them. Um, but we're going to talk about receivers a plenty going forward. We're at th- this thing flew by. We're, we're over the 52 minute mark again. The new record. For uh, long- should we yeah, I think it's up? a new record for longest pod. I think Is so. It? We were, we were right around this area last week when we were talking about Odo Beckham. Yeah, it's true. We're close. We're I really enjoyed close. that episode. If you didn't listen, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I think you should. Uh, I think you should go back and listen to it because I think it was a, a really interesting conversation about team building, about uh, whether or not the 49ers should, should draft Nick Bosa or trade away the number two pick as a part of the package for Odo Beckham Jr. Um, go listen to that pod if you didn't. Uh, is there anything you want to add? About out today's pod no i'm i'm looking i'm looking forward to next week though because like you said earlier the tampering period opens monday so there will be news there i'm sure we'll do a pod probably monday night and then free agency officially opens wednesday 
and we'll probably do a couple more throughout the week as free agency signings come down just to kind of touch on those and and talk about the long-term implications of of those of those deals so an exciting time of year in the nfl yeah we're gonna record i would say we haven't planned this yet so maybe we'll we'll plan this while we're recording on the air for our listeners but either Monday or Tuesday during the tampering periods, if there's stuff happening that we need to talk about, we'll probably do an emergency pod. And then Wednesday, once all these signings officially become official, maybe we'll do another another one. If, if it's slow to start, maybe we'll wait till Thursday for the second episode of next week. But keep it locked we're gonna have we're gonna have at least two maybe even three depending on how next week yeah if you don't if you don't already download and subscribe to the podcast for sure do that because we'll have we'll be we'll be covering everything this isn't going to be like hey we're two times a week so uh we'll only talk about the news those two times uh we're going to be recording as many episodes as we need to make sure we cover everything absolutely so yeah subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts Thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network, and we will see you guys next week for Free Agent Frenzy Week. Nice, dude. I don't know what it's called. We're leaving that in. Yeah, we're leaving that in. Perfect. All right. Bye, everybody. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.